It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Welcome into the program. Thanks for joining us. I hope that you are having a good start to your day, and I'm hoping we can at least keep it on an even level, if not make it better, for the next three hours. Later on in the program, we will be joined by New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell from midweek with the mayor. Gee, what are we going to talk about with the mayor? I think we're going to get his reaction to what happened in the city council meeting last week and the comments that were made about him both in that meeting and on uh, Friday's edition of South Coast Tonight. We'll talk with him about the... Uh, the amendments that he had proposed to the salary reclassification not passing, which I don't think he'll be surprised, but he was surprised by, but still we can talk about that and uh, a whole bunch more. Until that time, until 11 a.m., it's all about you at 508-996-0500. Congratulations to Sean Oliver, the new Ward 3 city councilor, well, technically city councilor-elect right now. He'll be sworn in on Friday, but um, congratulations to him. It was... I was hoping for a better turnout, but I also figured with the weather that, you know, they'd be lucky to get a thousand people out and they didn't, they, they came in at just under 800, but that's still better than the preliminary, I guess. And maybe you'll have more people. Well, you definitely will have more people in the fall because there'll be other races including counselor at large seats, the mayor's office. There'll be other races on the November ballot that will draw more voters out in Ward 3. I don't think that's indicative that only less than 1,000 people care about the future of the ward. I do think that the weather played a big factor in it. How big of a factor? Would it have been twice as many people if it had been a day like today? Would it have been three times as many? I mean, if they could have gotten to 2,000 people, that would have been, you know, over 20% of the registered voters in the ward. You would think that a ward election could get to at least 20%, but yeah. Either way, though, there is a new city councilor-elect for Ward 3. The, the council will be at full um, voting power full representation by the time of the next full council meeting. And that's important because there's a lot of business that needs to be done. And one of the reasons behind some of these things was we think that we should wait till there is a war three counselor before we go forward with that. And so now that will be the case. Obviously this is uh, Sean Oliver's first elected position. So there'll be a bit of an adjustment period, but I don't think that that means that they won't be able to get right down to business and start getting some of these things uh, on the agenda. Now, what was interesting is uh, it's Sean had told Marcus Ferro on Monday evening on South Coast tonight that if he didn't win yesterday, that he would be a candidate again in the fall. 
Marcus asked Carmen Amaral that question when she called in last night after the results were announced, uh, when she called in to thank everybody, and he asked her that question, and she wasn't, she was noncommittal about whether or not she would be running again in the fall, but as Marcus pointed out, he thinks that, you know, with, with the kind of showing she had, she only lost by about 100 votes, I think. Let me get you the actual numbers. And it's all up at WBSM.com and on the app. Adam Bass has a great story there. 414 to 307. So 107 votes she lost by when there was only a 6.83% turnout. So that would be encouraging to me if I was the losing candidate in yesterday's race. That would be encouraging to me to say, you know what? If another couple of hundred people showed up, things might have been a little bit different. And then you can kind of drill down and say, well, who didn't come out to vote? And would I do well in those areas? Looking at the ward numbers and and who came out for each ward, you can say, well, did I know? And, you know, you can kind of use it as a way to say, okay, well, let me go talk to those folks in that neighborhood and find out why they didn't come out and vote. And then they say, well, we couldn't come out and vote because nobody came out and cleared our streets or, you know, the sidewalks weren't shoveled. And then you got a chance to say, well, I'm going to get that done for you if you elect me. I mean, obviously, you, well, let's hope you won't need it for the November election. Jeez, we don't need a snowstorm the first week in November. But at least it gives you a chance to kind of show those constituent services that you would be willing to offer. So it can be a campaign point as much as it is trying to solve the mystery. But I also think there are other candidates, maybe some folks who didn't make it through the preliminary election, maybe some other folks who sat back and watched this time and said, I might bide my time for the fall, who look at this race and say, well, gee, the person who won only won by 107 votes. Maybe they're vulnerable for me to run against them in the fall. So I think you'll have a lot of intrigue in what goes on in that ward coming up in November. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Maybe Sean Oliver comes in, hits the ground running. People are happy with the job that he's doing, and nobody bothers to run against him. That's entirely possible. It happened with you, Dunn. I don't know necessarily that people were completely satisfied with the job that he was doing, per se, but they just, nobody came out and ran against him at a time when he was at his absolute most vulnerable. So I think that there's a lot of intrigue that will come out of that ward in the next couple of months, while at the same time you'll have somebody now in that council seat who will come in and get to work and who I think will do a good job. Now, we, we talked about the, the controversial Facebook posts. And as I said, you know, if, if Sean Oliver sticks to what he's been saying throughout the campaign and that he's going to be a representative for everybody... then I don't know if that is an issue that comes back up again. But I would recommend (laughs) if you're going to run again in the fall, which he said he will, you know, he's, he's obviously wants to keep the seat. Maybe, maybe go through and just scrub, scrub the social media. But I think now you will see an action if he lives up to his word, which from all indications, I see no reason why he wouldn't. So it'll be, um, it'll be fun. Certainly as we get into, I mean, when you look at it like this, it's like, well, now we have no elections to talk about until November. But 
some of you are saying, oh, thank God, because now we can talk about some other things as well. And we can do that as well. Uh, I had a story that I put out last night that if you didn't catch it, I just want to bring it to your attention. Yesterday, the Massachusetts Department of Public Utilities announced another reduction in gas supply rates. Now, the way this all works, it's, it's a little bit confusing to follow. Uh, rather than me try to explain it, I put a link in my story to the mass.gov page that does a, a pretty good job of breaking it down. But essentially, by federal law, the gas suppliers have to buy gas at a, in a competitive market. So they have to go out and basically pay what the rate is for it. They can't like make negotiations for special deals or anything like that. They pay the market rate for the gas, for natural gas, and then they're supposed to supply that to their customers without adding profit onto that price. They make their profits in other ways, but they're not supposed to add profit to that price. So as part of that process, every six months, they look at what the market rate is, and that's how they set what the gas supply rate cost will be. But when there's certain factors, one of which being that the price of natural gas goes down, if those go into effect, then they have to recalculate that formula and pass that saving on to the consumer. Because, again, they can't make a profit off that delivery. So if the gas is, well, let me just throw out some numbers I can easily work with. If it's $2 and it drops to $1.50, but they set your rate at $2 and then they were only paying $1.50, that would allow them to make $0.50 cents profit off of you. And it's not, they can't do that. So then... They need to keep an eye on those and re recalculate, it, and that's what they did. So they did it in December. I forget how much they knocked it down in December. In February, we talked about it here on the program. They announced that there would be a reduction of four to five percent off people's bills, and I I scoffed at that and said, you know, if you've got people paying, you know, four, five, six, seven hundred dollars a month for their gas bill, how much does it help them out to save thirty five bucks? But this new rate drop that was announced is 10%, which again, you know, you say it doesn't seem like much, but it's also going to go through March and April. So rather than have to recalculate this again, because of the way they forecast what the, the prices will do, this rate will stay the same and you will be able to have that 10% reduction throughout March and throughout April which is pretty good because normally, you know, like if you have some of you get into a position where um, you have overextended yourself and you can't pay your gas bill and you fall behind, like they don't shut your gas off during the winter if the gas supplies your heat. They have a moratorium on, on turnoffs until I think like April 15th or something. Because I know, because there's been winters where I've struggled and I've said, as long as I can just get to April 15th, on April 15th, I'll, i, I got to make the payment and I'll just save up and pay off my bill April 15th. You know, send them what you can each month and then pay off the remainder by April 15th and you shouldn't get a shutoff notice. And I think 
going beyond that with this will be helpful for some people. Not that it's going to be cold, and it really is when you think about it. It's not a big sacrifice on the part of the uh, the companies, National Grid and Eversource, because our gas usage is going to drop pretty quickly, pretty soon. If you're using natural gas for your heat, in another, what's today, March 1st, in another month or so, you probably won't be turning on the heat all that much. You'll be back in, you know, just put on a sweater mode for another couple of weeks. So that 10% that they're giving you in the month of April is probably not going to be that much. Because your bill isn't going to be that much. So hopefully you've made it through. We've been very fortunate that we haven't had a lot of really, really cold days. We had, of course, that five-year record-breaking cold. And we've had a few other days here and there. But for the most part, we've stayed above 40 degrees. Which is helpful because it means you don't have to turn the heat up as much. Of course, you've still had to have it on. But you don't have to have it on as much. Been able to have the gas stove. Maybe you turn it on for a couple of hours before you go to bed. Then you turn it off when you go to bed. Because you crawl into bed and it's nice and warm. Wake up in the morning, turn it on for an hour just to take the chill out of the house. And then you don't need it again until, you know, you're trying to warm up things before you go to bed. But still, you'll be saving 10% on your gas delivery charges for the next two months. So I guess every bit helps. It does show that, you know, that this doesn't just get approved. You know, everybody was was complaining about then Attorney General Mara Healy having no problem with this, you know, heading into switching jobs and people were going to get screwed and all this kind of stuff. At least, at least there is a bit of an oversight on it and a formula in place to make sure that if the gas company is saving money, that you will be saving money as well. And I've actually heard some of the phone calls that have come in. You know, we at the beginning of, of this winter season, we heard people calling in and saying, oh, my gas bill was over $1,000. And I heard a lot of folks that were commiserating with them at the beginning. But as the winter went on, there started to be a bit of a turn in the public sentiment in that regard where they would say, well, hold on, I've been getting my gas bill and I've got a two-bedroom, three-bedroom, one-story house, whatever, and my gas bill was, you know, $480. Now, granted, last year it would have been 350 and I'm still paying more, but how am I paying 480 and you're paying, you know, over $1,000? What are you doing? And I think we started to realize... And hopefully some folks realize themselves that there there was probably some waste going on. You know, there was probably a lot of having it at 74 when having it at 70 would have been fine. Or fully heating a zone in your home that nobody is in for hours a day when you can get by with just having, just having the heat on necessarily, you know, on, on the same level you would have it at other places. And one thing that I learned very quickly about heating my home was the importance of having the thermo- the um, thermostats that will allow you to program them. 
makes a big difference because when I come home, obviously I want the home to be warm, but I don't need it to be that warm throughout the course of the day so that when I walk in, I'm like, ah, this is how I like it. I can drop it five, maybe even 10 degrees during the course of the day. And it's a little bit funky if you have the the lower end programmable thermostat. You know, I had the $25 one. And it was it was fine for me because I, it's a small place and I didn't need anything fancy. And it was easy enough for me to figure out how to program. It was a little bit hard at first to realize, but, you know, swallowing my pride and consulting the manual, it was it was easy to figure out. And so I had it set so that, you know, a half an hour before I woke up in the morning, it would start to warm up a little bit. And then when I left the house, it would automatically go down. And then it would stay down until about a half an hour before I came home. And then it would kick up a little bit. And then I even set it to just take itself down as I got ready to go to bed so that I didn't even have to go over there and adjust it. And I was able to set it for the the day of the week. Okay, well, Sunday, I'm home the whole day. So I'm not going to have it do that. Or Saturday, I'm going to be home until it's time to go to Spooky South Coast. I'm not going to have it do that. So it was really helpful that way. And if if you can spend the money to have a more intelligent digital thermostat, well, it's even easier to program and even easier to customize. And you can have the app so you can do it on your phone. And you can set it up so that even if you don't know how to program it, the app will tell you at a certain time of day, hey, normally at this time of day, you want to log into the app and you want to adjust the heat at your house. Do you want to do that now? And then you can. So, it, it, you know, the more intelligent systems make it even easier for you to be able to set that up rather than just having to turn it on at 74, leave it at 74, and waste gas during the day. And I know, uh, talking about having this, you know, we're on the cusp of the edge of winter, knock on for Micah, it's probably not as helpful as it would have been had I talked about this in November, but I think most of you out there know this by now. And if you don't and you don't know, contact um, the fuel assistance program. Even if you don't think that you would qualify for fuel assistance, they have all of the contact information for you to have energy audits done. You can call your gas company or your electric company too, and they'll they'll do it. But I, I, I've always found it's easier to get information and to get it working from the perspective of the organizations that help. And they'll be able to come in and they'll do a an energy audit of your home. And sometimes some of those changes are free. You know, you catch them at the beginning of the season. They say, yeah, we've got some digital thermometers. You want us to just replace that one for you? Or you can get tax credits for certain adjustments that you make too. But anyway, 10% off your gas if you're an Eversource or NSTAR customer off your gas supply rate for the next two months. So that's that's helpful. And I think that the prices have stayed pretty stable from what I've seen throughout the course of the winter. So hopefully you were able to budget and you didn't get yourself into one of those situations like I've been in before where you say, well, by April 15th, I got to pay off the remainder of the bill. I don't want that shutoff notice. And even if you do, even if you weren't able to get all that under control, and the shutoff notice does come because, it, it, listen, it can happen. Don't panic. Call the utility. Call the company. 
get yourself on a payment plan. It's been my experience that they would much rather get you on a payment plan than have you be shut off and have to chase you down for that money. They'd rather get you on a payment plan where they ensure that you remain a customer and that you keep getting service. Because in the long run, they'd rather have it being delivered to your house than have you sit and freeze, not out of the goodness of their hearts, but because they don't make any money off you if you sit and freeze. Although I will say, I had an issue with my electric bill years ago, and the electric company was very human in my dealings with them. So that's that kind of softened my my hatred toward the utility companies a bit. Anyway, 508-996-0500, we can talk about that. We can talk about the election. We can talk about whatever else is on your mind. Also want to thank everybody that's been sending me all of their toy memories since yesterday. After our discussion about Child World being better than Toys R Us, which a lot of people on social media in the different places that I posted that story have agreed with me. The only people who have said Toys R Us are better are people that don't even know what Child World was. To a certain um, to a certain age group, you're probably not, not going to remember Child World. I work with people here in the building that were born after the company went out of business. But that doesn't mean... That you can't trust us. It was better. 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. After the big gun. album War, which is celebrating its 40th anniversary. It was released 40 years ago yesterday, and I guess today in the U.S., but um, it was certainly a groundbreaking album, and the album that pushed them to new heights and, and made them superstars. I mean, not the big superstars that the Joshua Tree made them into, this worldwide phenomenon, but certainly on the trajectory of going upward, it was a huge step forward after the album, the debut album, Boy, and the follow-up, October, which people people looked at October and thought that that was um, like a sophomore slump, but I don't see that at all. In fact, when, um, when I was working for my dad a couple of years ago, he has the Sirius XM satellite radio in his car and I was listening to that because I'm, you know, driving around overnight. You hear a lot of the same stuff on overnight radio. And he didn't, his, I can't connect my phone to his car and listen to apps and things like that. So I said, well, I'll listen to the Sirius XM. And of course they have the U2 channel. So I just leave it on that. And they were celebrating the, at that time, the 40th anniversary of the October album. And it was amazing to hear 
like just how, because I was a kid then, you know, I was like four. So I didn't know how much people really didn't like that album when it came out. But anyway, War is 40. So that means songs like Sunday, Bloody Sunday, uh, Two Hearts Beat is one, 40. uh, And of course, New Year's Day. I mean, New Year's Day to me is one of the all-time greatest songs of all time. But uh, you can you can go and listen to that today and, and think about how it's been 40 years since that has been out. 508-996-0500. Uh, M in New Bedford says, King's Castle Land on Route 18 was an amusement park with a toy store on Route 18 in Whitman. It was incredible. You should check it out. Well, we were actually, we were actually talking about King's Castle Land yesterday on the program because I've been working on an article now uh, since the weekend about King's Castle Land, trying to find, I'm trying to get photos that we can use for the story. And I'm hoping if anybody has any personal photos that they took themselves or their family took, if you can send those over to me, Tim at WBSM.com or send them via app chat or using the send audio video button on the app, I would love to be able to include them. And of course I will credit you and, or whoever it is that took the photo, but there's not a lot of photos out there that I can utilize otherwise. And I really want to give people who had never been there an idea of what it was like. And I wanted to give people who had been there some nostalgic memories of going there. And I did get a workaround from our, you know, our corporate team. They said, well, if you want to have some of these photos, because there's a Facebook group with memories of King's Castle Land with a lot of photos. And they're like, well, you can, you can embed those photos. So I'll probably do that. But I'm still just been giving it a couple of days to see if I can get any photos rolling in. Because a lot of the folks that I grew up with, they went there. Certainly kids that I went to school with in, in, in Brockton and Randolph would be familiar with it. But even some of the kids I went to school with in Plymouth were familiar with it. And they had commercials on TV. But unfortunately, with a lot of the local commercials, it's hard to find those on YouTube. There's a couple of great documentaries on YouTube about King's Castle Land, but I'm trying to find that original commercial, one of those original commercials, where you'd be watching Channel 56 on a Saturday morning, you got your bowl of cereal in front of you, and, and, and by the way, I didn't, I didn't watch 56 or 25 or 64 or 68 or 38, I didn't watch the cartoons that they had on, on the weekends. I had other shows that I would watch on there on the weekends. Obviously, I've talked about this before. Because I'm such a media nerd, I was a big fan of Channel 38's Ask the Manager, which usually ran on Saturday or Sunday mornings, where the general manager of the station would spend a half an hour answering viewer mail questions. I don't know why I loved it, but I loved it. And I learned all the ins and outs of things by watching that. Um... But what else did I watch? You know, I, I would watch uh, Three Stooges, of course, on Sundays. Uh, those were the channels that uh, WWF Wrestling was on. And I had like a thing where I switched it over to Channel 56 at, I think, 11 a.m., maybe noon, where I would watch Wrestling, Creature Double Feature, and then what all the syndicated shows were on back in those days. Um, you know, I'm picturing it being like a rainy Saturday or a, a wintry Saturday where you're stuck inside the house, and this this is how I would spend the day. Maybe go up in my room for a little while and play with some toys or something or 
spend some time reading. But for the most part, you know, I would that Saturday was my veg out day because Sunday we always did a bunch of things. So that was like my kind of relaxed day. But Saturday mornings, that's when I would watch NBC, ABC, CBS. That's where you get the good cartoons, Pee Wee's Playhouse, all that kind of stuff. So maybe it was a weekday morning, say. You'd be watching Channel 56, Tom and Jerry, Bugs Bunny, Mighty Mouse, The Mighty Heroes, Popeye. Watching all those cartoons, eating my bowl of cereal. And then the commercial would come on for King's Castle Land. And you would see the, 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 the dinosaurs, the dragons rather. The dragons that would breathe fire. And you'd say, they have real fire-breathing dragons. We got to go there. And they did. You would go there and you would see these these dragons shoot fire out of there. As kids are, like, climbing on these things, it's like, <sighs> throw out a bunch of flames. And I was thinking about this as I was writing the story. I don't think you could build a king's castle land in 2023. I don't think you could get away with them as essentially building a backyard amusement park. That's what it was. They had a store, and in order to draw people to their store, they put a couple rides in the back, and then... They moved the toy store there, and then as time went on, they just kept adding more and more rides. And they never really made, it was interesting, I was reading and, and watching some of the document documentaries on it, they never really made a lot of money off the amusement park. The toy store was so successful, and it was a great toy store, the toy store was so successful that it would allow them to, to kind of subsidize running the amusement park. Because obviously the amusement park is only going to be open in the late spring and through the summer, maybe into the early fall. But they would subsidize that with, you know, the money that they were able to make year-round at the at the toy store. Because obviously, and if I remember correctly, and Em in New Bedford, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I think you might be a little bit older than me and have a little bit better memory of it. You couldn't get into the park without walking through the toy store, which is like. A brilliant marketing move that reminds me, you know, now I didn't, uh, I'd never been to a Cracker Barrel before, but now it reminds me of the Cracker Barrel format. You don't go into the Cracker Barrel restaurant without walking through the, the general store first. And if I remember right, you had to walk through the toy store of King's Castle Land to get into the park. And Emma New Bedford also says the Toys R Us shopping spree commercials were the best. Didn't you want to be that kid? Didn't you have dreams at night of winning the shopping spree? I don't know anybody that ever did. But you had dreams of that. Like, oh, this is what I would do. If I had, and they would give you, you know, there was different parameters of different shopping sprees. And whether it be Toys R Us or, you know, Nickelodeon used to give them away as prizes, but there were different parameters. Sometimes it was you got $1,000 to go shopping. Well, uh, that's not going to last a kid too long in the 80s because you're going to go for a Nintendo. You're going to go for a Sega. You're going to get a bunch of video games, and next thing you know, they're like, you spent your $1,000 already. Okay, well, that's cool. I got two video game systems and a bunch of games. Some of them said you would have an hour 
and that's the one that I wanted. Or, you know, any any amount of time. Might have been an hour, might have been 20 minutes, might have been 10 minutes, might have been five minutes. But that's the one that I I wanted, the timed one. Because I had my strategy all picked out. The one thing that I would have asked for, and I, and I always would read the rules to see if it was specified in the rules that you couldn't do it, and I never saw it, but it doesn't mean that you couldn't. But the one thing I would ask for is to be able to go ahead of time, see the layout of the store, and leave carts in strategic locations. Because you always saw the kids in the shopping spree. They'd fill the, the cart up. They'd have to run the cart back, get a new cart, go back out. So I'm sure they had a rule of it somewhere, and I missed it. But that was something that I always thought would be a good strategic move. But I had it all laid out. All laid out how I would, first I'm going to go to this section, then I'm going to go to that section, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that. And think about it, right? Us 80s kids, we 80s kids that thought about how to win those Toys R Us shopping sprees and, and maximize them to the full potential, we became the adults that later played supermarket sweep. <laughs> so we all we had that mindset going into it. We just had to turn it into adult things. Not as fun, but still still just as fun to watch. Anyway, 508-996-0500 or hit me up on AppChat on the WBSM app. We'll be back in a few moments. 1420 WB. years old u2's war and i remember when when i was a dishwasher uh working at the diner 15 years old uh that song came on the radio when i was working with one of the cooks uh, i used to go after school it was really weird there was a guy that worked there nights as the dishwasher and he had another do- job a day job so he wouldn't get he wouldn't get back from his day job till like 5 five thirty. And so they would always have all the work would pile up until he could get there. And then he would work like two hours every every night getting all that stuff done, two or three hours. And so when I started working there, they didn't really have any kids working. And so they created hours for me by having me go every day after school and work from like 2.30 when I would get there coming over from school till. This guy got there like 5.30. So it worked out well for me because I got, you know, some hours. And it worked out well for him because he didn't have so much work that he had to do. And I I don't know, whatever. And so I would work with the cook and I would do all that stuff. And then when this guy came in, he would take over. And sometimes I'd just be hanging out waiting for my ride to come or having dinner or something. And so we're hanging out by the radio. 
and that song comes on the radio. And the cook says to me, that song has one of the best bass lines of all time. And I said to him, you must be thinking of Sunday Bloody Sunday because it's on the same album and that has a really great bass line. He goes, no, 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 listen, listen to New Year's Day and pay attention to the bass line. And so I went home that night, put in the cassette, put my headphones on and really kind of focused in on the bass line because I've always been so enamored by Edge playing the, the piano and, and the helicopter guitars there and then that whiny guitar riff that he has, like everything was drawing me to that. And then I listened to the bass line. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, is that fantastic. The same thing happened when they did the remastered Beatles albums uh, in 2009, when it was 9909, and they came out with all the new stereo versions of the Beatles music. And I put on something, you know, something in the way she moves. And the work that Paul McCartney does with the bass in that song is so underappreciated because it was so lost in the mix for years that people couldn't hear it. But it's one of the most impressive bass performances that I've ever heard in a song where nobody was paying attention to the bass, you know, for 40 years. So check it out. See what you think. All right, I'm going to have to take another break here before the end of the hour. And also a reminder, too, that we will have Mayor John Mitchell joining us in the 11 o'clock hour. But until then, we can take your phone calls, 508-996-0500. What did you think of the election last night in Ward 3? If you were a Ward 3 resident, did you get out and vote? If you didn't get out and vote and you were a Ward 3 resident, call in let us know why. Um, I know that there, you know, Jack Spillane popped on with Marcus for a little bit last night. And he was discussing something that he is looking more into, and he mentioned it here uh, with us on Monday as well. And that was the um, the uh, housing complex where they can vote. They used to be able to vote in the building, but then they took away that because of the redistricting, redistricting yet other precincts were voting in that same building i'm just trying to pull up the uh the the tweets from jack spillane to see if we can the Tabor mills building that was it they can no longer vote at the polling location that is in their own building and that's mind-blowing especially when you have people who benefit from being able to vote in the same building because of physical issues. They have the means to do so right there in their own building, but they're told, oh, no, no, that's not for you. That's like, that's like walking into the kitchen on your birthday to see a birthday cake there, but you can't have any of that birthday cake because that's for somebody else's birthday who's also their, their, you know, it's also their birthday that day, but they don't live there. They're just going to come over and eat some cake. But it's your house, and it's your birthday too, but you can't have any cake. 508-996-0500. Speaking of cake, well, it's 
Probably not what you're going to get when you go to Justin or the Phoenix, but you will get some delicious breakfasts that are, some of them are kind of borderline desserts. Like my favorite, the uh, the Boston Cream French Toast, which I got a few messages from folks over the weekend because it was on the specials. And some folks said, hey, I tried that French, uh, that Boston Cream French Toast, and it really was as good as you say. Absolutely it is. And it's just one of the great creative ideas they come up with at Just Another Phoenix in Dartmouth. If you go there, you will see all of your breakfast favorites on the menu. They have everything that you possibly could want for breakfast. But they also come up with new and innovative ideas and new and innovative recipes utilizing your old favorites in a different way. It might be some pistachio pancakes. It might be some tuxedo pancakes. It might be some red velvet pancakes. It might be Boston cream French toast. It might be honey nut French toast. It might be fruity pebbles French toast. Not Plus all the different omelets that they come up with. Uh, over the weekend, they were running an Italian sausage omelet that uh, had the marinara sauce and the mozzarella cheese and sausage, onions, and peppers. I mean, come on. Why have... The same breakfast that you eat every day when you can have something different and exciting at Just Another Phoenix. On Tuesdays, they offer coffee to seniors that come in and buy a meal. You get your coffee included with your meal. And also, they have that drive through window. So if you don't have time to sit down in the restaurant and hang out, you can get their entire full menu through the drive through it's a lot better to have a you know be able to go through a drive-through to get breakfast uh, that isn't just a donut or a, a muffin sandwich. You know, you can go and get a full breakfast, everything that's on the menu through their drive-through window. So check them out. Just another Phoenix. They're located on Fawns Corner Road in Dartmouth. I promise you, there is something on the menu you will love. All right, let's take our final break of the hour. We'll be right back. The WBSM app is. seconds and you know it's amazing how similar their voices are and how much they complement each other i mean edge's backup singing has been a huge huge part of you two anyway speaking of music i thought it was kind of funny how in that commercial uh the, you know the, the the guy says i've got blisters on my fingers <laughs> which is a, a beatles reference after we just were talking about the beatles uh from the end of helter skelter when ringo yells i got blisters on my fingers so it's uh you know pr- pretty funny Pretty funny how things work out sometimes. All right, well, we're going to be taking a break for the news. When we come back on the other side, more with you, 508-996-0500. We can talk more about yesterday's Ward 3 election and what that means for the future. We can talk more about some of the 